Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name's Scott Coyne and I will be your host for this episode and I'm joined again this week by our very own Mr Joris Beck. Joris, how are you and how has your week been? Well, obviously it could have been better, but um, all in all, I can't complain in my in my personal life. So uh, yeah, good. Let's say, put it like that. <laughs> good. Glad, glad, glad to hear it. Um, Ben's not with us again this week. He is he is still busy, but uh, hopefully he'll be he'll be back with us next week. And next week um, could be a very very big week indeed for uh, one particular team and and for us as well, which we'll which we'll get to shortly. We we the results this weekend, Yoris, have set us up very nicely for a an absolutely huge game uh, at the Bossel uh, on on Sunday, which we'll get to shortly. But let's start with a uh, playoff two, shall we? Because playoff two has now been conclusively settled. Now uh, we know that the Buffaloes Ghent have won the European playoffs for the third consecutive year, pretty much at a canter, really. Uh, they've been very impressive again. They got a two-each draw at home to Circle this weekend. And what was actually a very open game, I thought, Joris, you know, both sides really going at it. Gift Orban getting his 15th league goal of the season. He's now got 20 and 20. I don't think we need to wax lyrical about him anymore. Certainly lots of other people are doing it um, as well. And Ugo Kuipers uh, still leading the goal charts, getting his 23rd for the season. Um, Ayazi Uida, who's right behind him, incidentally, uh, getting his 21st. And keep an eye out on whether he can pip Kuipers uh, to the top goal scorer in, in, in the last couple of weeks. That's something to keep an eye on. But this was a really good open game, actually. And Ghent have done it once again, Joris. That's uh, that's it for this playoffs as well. Uh, but uh, that, it was not really a fight in the end. Ghent um, went uh, over the line quite quickly. Not that much to say. It was a really cool game as well. Uh, indeed, open many chances from both sides. Circa might have been able to 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 leap away in the first half and and maybe I don't think they would still be in the in the in contention for the first spot but yeah in, at least in theory they would so that to keep a slim chance of still overtaking Gent but um, well that was not very likely anyway because Gent in that case would also still have to play two teams that were already out of the race anyway uh, with not much to play for. Prosecco probably felt, must have felt that they should have uh, killed this one but uh, in the end a 2-2 draw given the open nature of the game is, is not a complete surprise either. And uh, the last thing that I want to say about this is uh, is with Gent. Is, uh, the last nine goals have actually been scored by either of the two players that scored here for them as well. Um, I believe that's the last all the goals in the last three games and only in the first. I, I wanted to, to say like all the goals in the playoffs actually have been scored by only two players. But uh, in the first game, uh, there, there were some other goal scorers uh, still. But uh, after that, after that first playoff game, so that's indeed three game, more than three games. It's only been uh, the... The Urban and Kuipers show uh, on top. I wanted to point that out because that could be both a uh, well a, a weakness or a, um, a strength going into next season as well, of course. Uh, but uh, it's too early to speculate about that. But uh, good luck for uh, for them in Europe uh, in in well an early start in July probably already. Then yeah, they were getting uh, prepared for that already. And, and big Hyde Van Eisbrook's been on television this week telling everybody um, how great he is, while also criticizing a few people. I, I thought that was quite funny. Just uh, circling back to to, to circle. For 
for a minute. See what I did there, everybody. Um, I actually thought Kevin Denke had a had a very good game um, this week. He was really impressive. You know, he's been so good for a while and he, he's been in and out of the side a little bit uh, for quite a wee while now. To, so to see him come back in and, and, and play as well as he did was was quite nice because he's he's an important part of um, the way that they play, I think. The, the Buffaloes actually provided one of my moments of the week this week. Um, I don't know if people spotted um, on social media, uh, Ghent's head of comms, Tom Vandenbalk, was was sharing with us all um, a letter um, that that he'd received apparently from a Chinese fan um, talking about you know how much he likes the Buffaloes and, and and how closely he watches them, and then went into a bit of detail in this letter telling us about um, how great that Ghent's coach Wouter Rankin is and that they've got a really good midfielder in Brian Aynan. So, you know, the, the writer of that letter's attention to detail is going to be difficult to surpass. And it's 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 nice to know, Yoris, that the old Ghent and Genk confusion is alive and well. And we've got a, a new story to, to supplant the famous one about the, the Liverpool fans a few years ago. <laughs> it has a lot of... Troll action written over it, though. Yeah, well, you know how I like these things. It was, it, I, I saw that today. And it, it made me wryly smile while I was having a cup of tea this morning. It was nice. Let's move on, shall we, to the, the, the other playoff two game, uh, which, in a way, it's a bit like the first game. There's not too much to say about the actual game itself. Westerlo running out convincing 3-0 winners against... Ronnie Dyla's Standard Liège. How how much longer it'll be Ronnie Dyla's Standard Liège will we talk about in a minute. Uh, Maxim de Kuyper uh, getting his ninth goal of the season. He's had a fantastic season, as we know, and, and Nines Dorgali is getting, getting two to take his tally for, for 13 for the season. He's actually got five goals across the, the four playoff games. He's he's had a very good playoff, Nines Dorgali. He's, he's been on, on fire and, and not getting a lot of uh, credit or attention for that. Standard, pretty, pretty awful, I thought, this week. Perhaps not surprisingly because of the whole destabilising uh, news around the club that feels like it's been going on for longer than a week now. Um, will Ronnie Dyla stay? Will he go? It looks like he's very close to going. Not the greatest of atmospheres to take into to a game, even if there's not too much riding on the game. I thought it was interesting, Joris, that, that Standard actually conceded two of the three goals direct from their own attacking corners. They lose possession. Westerlo broken them fast and, and scored in the break. And, and we know that they're very good, a good side in the break and, and good in transitions, Westerlo. But it's, it's never good when a side concedes, you know, from from their own corner, that's a particularly bad sign. What's what's your reading of the whole situation at, at standard at the moment, particularly on the the kind of dialogue situation? I don't believe ever for for any word he said himself in in this case that there's nothing been, or maybe I do believe him in the literal sense that he himself did not speak yet. Uh, but uh, well, he doesn't need to do uh, his talking himself necessarily, of course. Uh, so apart from that, I do not believe that there's. Uh, no, <laughs> nothing in the going on uh, in that regard. But it could also still be a complete smokescreen for for another coach as well. Um, definitely, the club is really exploring their options. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see 
yeah, that was the, the conceding twice on the own corner. That was also a, a point that I wanted to make. Um, well, it, it already signifies that that indeed does not happen so often. When if we both have written that down, um, <laughs> great minds think alike. <laughs> maybe there was also not that much more to say about this game, of course. But yeah, Sonar. Well, they they didn't have virtually no danger on up top, and they like re- rejecting the clear rumors, but. Like I said, I, just, I don't think we need to meet too much in those words. And for Westerlo, well, two weeks ago, I said that their season was petering out. Of course, the season has, has had been lost by then, or well, not lost, but like the, the competition in these playoffs for them uh, was lost by that time. But to be honest, the last two games, the, this, the, this double uh, fixture with Standard, they, they have straightened and then really, yeah, um, at least shown something and shown some spirit and then well got well got some good results out of it as well um, and maybe even um, yeah deserves to win both games um, but yeah okay that would still only be a footnote in uh, in these playoffs after all but uh, yeah well better for them that they at least could uh, yeah could snatch at their first win in uh, in the playoffs here and who knows there more will follow albeit. For now. Yeah, I think I think Westerlo will be satisfied with their season. Obviously, a couple of games to go. Um, yeah, but I think they'll be they'll be more than happy with their overall season because it has been it has been very strong. Going to be some changes there, obviously as well. They're going to lose some some players that have been very important to them this season. Probably aren't going to be coming back. So it'll be interesting to see what their recruitment's like. I think Ben raised that a couple of weeks ago. You know, it was something that I think he was he was keeping an eye out on, and and we, we'll definitely talk more about that on our big bumper pre season preview but that's that's a few weeks away yet folks back on standard for a second I mean I think that you know when you look at their form recently obviously they're they're winless in the playoffs and and in fact winless in their last six uh, conceding seven and, and and scoring three so the sort of yeah the the backward steps um kind of predate the you know the the Dyla controversy, if you like, over the last sort of week, ten days, um, and it was quite interesting. He, he gave quite a frank post-match interview after this, where he was actually asked very directly what's true and what's not true, um, and he said that most of what what has been written and, and and said is is untrue, but that he wants a resolution to this uh, quickly. Uh, and by quickly, I think he means by the end of this week. So we should have clarification, hopefully by the weekend, um, as to, as to whether he's going to be there uh, longer or not. But there has been a suggestion today, I think, that, that if he is going, there's a high probability that he, w- he will not be in the dugout this weekend against um, Circle. So it'll be very interesting to see see what's happening there. Um, standard fans having a bit of a meltdown about this on, on, on social media as well, which I can kind of understand. Um, to a certain extent, so much conflicting information uh, flying around that, that's kind of added to the drama um, as well. But you know, this time next week, we should we should probably know the definitive answer um, to, to to that big question because it's probably been the big unofficial news story um, of the week. That one. Let's move on, shall we, to a uh, playoff one where there's plenty still. Um, at stake. Let's start at the Ambridal where uh, Club Bruges managed to beat Antwerp 2 0 after dramatically losing to them uh, the previous week at the Bossel. 
Casper uh, Nielsen with a couple of fantastic finishes for for club managing to to bag them the points and the win. And I just felt uh, that Antwerp were a little bit sw- sloppy at times during this game. They didn't play badly, but a lot of the things they've been particularly good at this season uh, weren't weren't absent in this game. And and club um, were were physically the better of the two sides and in particular their ball distribution was better I thought Joris you know they just moved moved the ball about better and, and, and made better choices of passes kind of a, a key moments really in this game and it's interesting now because we've got this 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 scenario where all all top three sides drop points um, but Antwerp can now go and win the title on Sunday, as I was alluding to at the start, by by beating Union at home at the Bossel. And if they do do that, they will complete the League and Cup double, which would not only be Antwerp's first ever League and Cup double, uh, it would be the first Belgian double since 1996 when, when Club did it and would be only the eighth uh, Belgian double ever in sort of 140 odd years of, of football history so um, it's all set up very nicely for them but let's not forget Union because um, if there's anybody who can go to the Bossel and, and get a result because obviously they can still win the league themselves it is this side it's funny the way things have worked out I think because uh, there's been a lot of talk amongst the Antwerp fan base about the you know they still can't believe they're actually um, in this position because of the way things have, have, have worked out. But one of the things I kind of wanted to, to highlight uh, f- from the purposes of our chat, actually, is that all of the focus, understandably, is on Antwerp, but Union are coming into this game probably with very little fear. I mean, they're a side that play with very little fear anyway, but they know equally that if they win the game, it's very much in their hands on the final weekend as well. So th- this is by no means a foregone conclusion, despite what a lot of people um, seem to think. And it probably suits Union not for there to be too much attention um, on them in a, in a media sense this week. They can quietly go about their business and, and go to the bossel and try and get the big result that they need. Um, it's going to be really interesting tactically, I think, to see how the game pans out as well because of uh, yeah, b- both sides effectively having to go for it. So it could go one of, of, of two ways. It could be one of the best and most open games we've seen all season with lots of goals, or it could be so tense that neither side wants to lose and it does go to the final weekend. But, you know, all eyes on the bossel on, on, on Sunday. And what what did you make of sort of Antwerp being kind of just slightly off at, um, against Club Joris? Did you think that was nerves or was it just that Club were, were really good this week for you? A combination of votes. I suppose as well. Also, Nielsen really giving uh, his former team, uh, well, keeping uh, them in the in the title race as well. Uh, well, before we knew the result of the uh, other game, of course, uh, already. But at that point in time, it really helped uh, his team, and actually, if it, eventually also <laughs> that team still is the case. Um, also, Clubius getting their first points of the playoffs. But um, yeah, the focus on Antwerp. Yeah, well, they, they seem to be quite nervous. If you then see like, how, how riled up Elderweireld, of all people, was by, by Lang's behavior. Well, albeit a bit provocatively, but well, still in a footballing way. So in that sense, nothing wrong with what Lang did, but how, how Alderweireld reacted. Just next to the nerves that I feel like getting, somehow snatching their yellow cards from the referee. Well, not snatching it, getting it somehow and giving it back to him in the first <laughs> half. That was a funny moment in the game. I, I believe there's definitely some nerves in the, actually in the two games against Lubrich. in Last week, they still have one, of course, but... 
yeah, that, 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 that could have gone differently as well, uh, with, well, not that many, yeah, the, what, they, they're, they're, yeah, their play in that game, the field game, was not super well either. It was already a bit nervy. Uh, they, you could feel the, that they still won. It was, of course, important and might ultimately be the one of the title-winning moments. Uh, but, of course, it was also still only their first loss in, in these playoffs. Uh, so that's, of course, where uh, why they're obviously the clear uh, favorites um, as well at the moment. It's relatively showing, I guess, telling that uh, while their defense has been so strong in the playoffs, they're really struggling to keep a clean sheet. They got one uh, the f- on the first ga- playoff game uh, against Union, uh, coincidentally, of course, as well. But after that, they, they have conceded in all, in all three games, um, of course, this, this might be expected against the better sides of the league. Uh, it's also the first time that's maybe more significant that they have been kept out uh, of scoring for the first time in uh, in two months. And two months ago, that was uh, without their, their main striker because he was still injured or, or anyway, not playing, was out. Um, this time he, yeah, he was there, Janssen, um, but um, yeah, they, they have been really quiet uh, all game. Yeah, so I, I do think there's clearly, well, and there's, why would you, there, well, who wouldn't be nervous in this game? But you could feel that there are the nerves, but I do, I do think that they have um, put themselves in such a good position that maybe uh, the, yeah, that, that they were, could even permit themselves to get one game like this. Of course, now the pressure is on uh, on on the game against Union, but it anyway would be at this stage uh, of the playoffs. So uh, we'll we'll have to see how how things go. It it feels a bit like a cup game, but co- again, coincidentally, of course, both teams have played uh, a cup game there this season, and that was one of the games where Union have been the worst so far. Yeah, but uh, so that's the, the w- that can of course also swing both ways again. Then of course maybe Union will really want revenge. Although well, they will want revenge for that, but. Uh, yeah, the circumstances will be probably even tougher uh, for them. But um, yeah, okay, I, I, I'm holding back a little bit to, to talk about Union uh, since, well, we're obviously not going to talk about them really soon again as well. Yeah, it's interesting because coming into this game uh, this weekend um, at, at the Jan Bridal, we, we were all told that Mark Van Bommel had um, kind of banned any any title talk. There, there, there was to be none of that amongst the players. And I, I wasn't sure I was really believing that. I mean, like you said, they put themselves in such a good position that they, they knew what they had to do. And ironically, of course, the top three all dropped points um, this past weekend. And yet Antwerp um, came out of the weekend ultimately as, as as the biggest winners. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Let's let's move on to chat about the, the other playoff one game, actually, um, seeing as it involves uh, Union, as you were saying, and, and your side, uh, Genk, the game at the Segeka finishing one each. Uh, Mark McKenzie getting his third goal of uh, the playoffs, actually. He's had quite a good playoffs. And uh, who else but uh, Victor Boniface with a, a rasping equaliser um, in this game for Union. And this was a really, really good game. In particular, the first half, I thought both sides were absolutely going at it, hammer and tong. Um, literally sometimes challenges flying in all over the place. And it really had a sense of a lot at stake this game. Both sides know that you know a 
win was was going to be really important, particularly after Antwerp kind of dropped points, and you know neither side managed managed to get that. Perhaps it's more significant for for one side than the other not to have not to have got the got the win. But interestingly, this week as well, uh, Mike Trezor setting a new pro league record with twenty three assists. Uh, beating, I think it's uh, it was Branko Strupar, I think, who had the the previous record, and he's also now the twenty twenty three Ebony Shoe winner for the best uh, best player of African origin in, in Belgium. So it's been it's been quite a week for for, for Mike Trezor. What did you make of this game, Yoris? Because there was there was so much riding on it, and arguably maybe a little bit more for for the Genkies than there 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 was from an Union perspective. Definitely, there definitely was. Um, and well, coming back to Mike Trezor and that assist scoring record, like I think I mentioned that even a few weeks ago, probably after the game against Antwerp. Um, but I've seen that this assist has been given well has been taken away from him so I, I suppose that does mean that Mackenzie's goal well his first ball there was actually saved by Britain only a second attempt went in and that, that's why they striped it off <laughs> for, from the assist charts just to, to well that was something I, I was like huh yeah he had already broken that <laughs> but okay well all the better like he it's, it's no point of discussion or a bit less now anyway Yes, yeah, and McKenzie getting that goal. Well, he did it twice there. That's uh, yeah, that that's that's really great for him offensively. But maybe a bit like he said, he he knows it himself. Defensively, unfortunately, he was not. Well, he was also involved at that uh, Boniface uh, finish, and also before that, he already uh, had given away a big chance to Adingra, I believe it was, uh, where Van der Voort put out some nice saves. Yeah, well, I, it's a, a, a difficult game for me to talk about, uh, for sure, because, yes, it is the one that definitely... There's a 3% chance, I believe, still, that Hink uh, snatched the title now, so that uh, but they could definitely crush the, the hope for the next uh, for, for another title, which is a hard spill to swallow after, well, the great season that Hink has had. Admittedly, in the first half, Union really had a few really big chances, and they probably should have been ahead as well so uh, that's uh, thanks to van der Voort uh, in that case mainly and some poor finishing that's uh, at, in other occasions that um the, that that was not the case and that it was only 1-1 at the break where there was of course right before that break the, one of the most controversial moments of the of these playoffs i guess as well um the, the, with paintsell running at burgess which which yeah, with a may very mean challenge uh, at at knee height, stopping him either on or off the line. Initially given inside, overturned by the VAR to outside, where there's still still not really a clear match of, of anything of that. But okay, um, I can get that. But just I, I I still can't wrap my head around how that is not a red card, regardless of which. Penalty there should have well, so penalty in the sense of punishment that should have been uh, given, yeah. Just uh, and then yeah, how Burgess made this the ninety minutes full. It's it's I I know like no even came on on and said some things on on the review, but I've uh, yeah yeah it, it it all did not really make sense like that. So I'm it's just a bit weird the, how that went. Okay. That's one phase before the break. Second half, there was not that much going on, unfortunately. Yeah, like I said, Hink was just also in this game. Maybe just not 
completely enough. They didn't create any open chances. Definitely not from open play, but well, we do know that uh, set pieces are increasingly important and that Henk are really strong on them. There were a few phases there as well. Uh, anyway, there was not that much cre- created. Uh, the, ultimately, it then came down maybe a bit to for Henk's side and like that that last minute, uh, well, in stoppage time, uh, a, a slip from Maurice and uh, Sanata that had cleverly seen that from the sidelines though, so it was quite far. It was not so easy to do it. And uh, well, but seeing it and trying his uh, trying his luck, and the ball really narrowly for a second, I thought, "Oh yeah, we're gonna snatch this and we're gonna win this title." And then it went out, and yeah, that was the moment. Okay, it's no, it not going to happen this season, unfortunately. That uh, yeah, he that ball went n- very narrowly wide. It it really looked like the good trajectory, but yeah, just a little bit too much curve <laughs> towards the outside of the post in the end. Yeah, like I said, Union first half mainly missed uh, missed a lot of chances, and um, well, like I said, I can really only swear at uh, a, a certain specific players uh, as well. But uh, I'll, I'll try not to do that. But Burgess made a few more fouls that definitely deserved the yellow, uh, clear cut yellow cards that he did not get, and that's yeah, like, uh, yeah, okay. That, that's the one player I will pick out <laughs> there. But, uh, that, that I don't believe. Well, I'm not the only one picking, picking him out as well. But yeah, but what I did find slightly, well, I felt a bit like, okay, you know, ultimately had also a few chances on the break because Henk really were trying to push at least. Uh, whether it worked really well, maybe not. But anyway, they were trying to push forward. So there was a lot of space in the back. And on that, there were a few moments at the end of the game where Uno could have uh, gotten the win. But ultimately, I did feel like they were relatively happy about it that, that with the draw, uh, which was a bit of a uh, of an interesting approach, in my view, as well, for winning that title. Because, well, obviously, if they would have won, they would have been in, in pole position um, before... Uh, this game and uh, to the very least they, they would be to, uh, there would be less pressure on them for this game against Antwerp uh, for, because even if they would have lost that one there, there would have been a chance to to catch them in the last game albeit maybe less likely with probably all, all uh, for more positions already being being set in stone by that time but I felt like I, I'm not sure I don't know if you felt that but I felt like they were quite happy with yeah, ultimately, then in the second half, um, the draw. Of course, they they did, like I said, they could have won this in the first half already. But like after a certain point in time, maybe after sixty minutes already or seventy five, like they 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 seemed happy with a draw. Uh, to at least, yeah, okay, in that sense, I do get it. Of course, uh, at least be relatively well, stay ahead of Hink and um, also well, the the main thing of course for them, uh, I believe, is also that uh, Toma was of course not available for this game, and it's still quite uncertain whether he will be available um, for for the game on on, on Sunday against uh, Antwerp for this crucial game. But okay, I don't think we as uh, outsiders will know whether he'll, he will play um, or not, regardless of how he, the state of his injury is, because um, well. Either he is he is already fit and there's a smoke screen, or it actually is also uncertain for them. But um, yeah, I would uh, I, I don't see why Union would release uh, that information uh, too early to 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 give information to Antwerp uh, in that. Um, but yeah, that that could be crucial, of course, for that game, whether he is there or not. 
I'm sure they will be try- trying their damnest to to get him ready for that because yeah, well, we all know how crucial he can be for for their uh, for that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether he does make it because they they didn't miss him too much this this kind of past weekend, but certainly with 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 there being so much at stake uh, on on Sunday, they'll they'll certainly be doing everything they can to to get him on the pitch for for at least for some of the game. It's been interesting actually. Some of the it's been a lot of chat over the last few days about the the physicality. Um, in this game at the weekend, and and the yeah, some people perhaps arguing that the the, the some of the, the the physical tackles going in were a little bit too cynical and and kind of the wrong side of you know uh, the the physical side of the game. I I didn't actually think so. I, I I thought the game was played in in quite a good spirit. I think what you tend to find, of course, when you get to the playoffs, is that things do ramp up a gear naturally, and that includes the physical side of the game. Things are very physical in Belgium anyway during the the regular part of the season. On Burgess specifically, I think Big Christian certainly tread a very very fine line this weekend, and I think there is an argument that the sheer accumulation of fouls. Um, throughout the game for him probably did amount to a red you know aside from the most controversial moment which and and I and I've I've only really seen it from the one camera angle the 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 penalty that wasn't I still haven't seen anything that kind of conclusively proves that the initial contact was really outside you just have to trust the officials on this but it's back to the transparency thing again I think we all have to or would want to see that because my initial reaction was that it was it was certainly on the line and it's it's yeah it's probably going to turn out to be one of the most controversial uh, decisions of the season that one I think just because of it could have completely changed the complexion of this game obviously had it had it gone the other way you know too too late now but it's just an interesting thing to look back on but I agree with you I think um, I think big Christian Burgess was on was on a, a real tightrope this, this this week in particular most of the rest of the challenges I think are the sorts of things you just see when there are such high stakes and I think you know I, I don't mean to defend referees when I say this but it, it can be difficult sometimes when when players go into games and the physical side of it becomes more to the fore than it would normally because of the stakes um, referees sometimes let things go that perhaps they shouldn't because of what's at stake rather than refereeing the game that's just in front of them which I would agree with you I think is a mistake you know to to, to kind of let players away with things that they wouldn't normally get away with just because the stakes are, are, are a little bit higher but I find it interesting that a lot of people um, decided to kind of you know find that a big talking point this week because we, we, we've seen it in other playoff games that um, there's been there's been more needle in games than than you would normally expect, and and that physical intimidation on the pitch, if you like, is is a big part of where the title ends up going. Always, who can handle that and who can dish that out with it, you know, with it within the rules and and, and kind of get get away with it. But that's that, that's part of the game, isn't it? And we're all set up for for an absolute um, cracker on Sunday. Speaking of your side, Yoris, we have had a listener's question this week from uh, your Yolan at Yolan two three double one two thousand, and he's asking us what the Genk need to do to be better next season, and what have been the weak points uh, in the team. What do you reckon on, on that one, Yoris? I don't think that much needs to change, but that might also be the issue. Uh, trying to get this squad keep as much as possible 
from the squad together. Um, I suppose that yeah, there will always be people people leaving. That uh, yeah, so that that will be crucial filling in the gaps from whoever will be leaving. There's no concrete rumors, I believe yet, but I'm sure uh, that that will come soon. Uh, maybe already next week, as I think a lot of it might hang on uh, that this last slim chance of winning that uh, that title uh, that uh, that will make players think as well. Probably if they don't uh, are not able to win it anymore, it, it also might depend if they're still uh, a fight for a second or to, uh, for a second spot. But um, yeah, so not, not that much needs to change, to be honest. In my view, I, I really enjoyed the season. I did not expect anything before the season, regardless of the end, uh, end position with the season. To uh, You can't really say they didn't contend for the title either anyway, since well, they, they were, until not that long ago, the leaders. Uh, and also, in general smart shopping but also uh, yes uh, not only the ins but also the outs need to be on point uh, and then yeah unfortunately this season there, there was a bit too many outs this is, was going to be a common issue at any rate uh, given who already left in the summer that's why I was really surprised how everything has has actually panned out uh, but on the other hand, for example, even without ins or outs, Oya, for example, and maybe some other youth players well, will will be there uh, and Oya missing the whole season. Yeah, and now he's not in top fit shape anyway, uh, but with the whole preparation behind him again, um, that is already so in a way a free transfer. I don't like it when, when uh, directors say things like that about their own players, but okay, I'll do it for once. That that's already potential replacement or extra option. Yeah, extra options is maybe a thing on certain positions. Although it does again depend a bit um, on on well, uh, left back definitely needs to come. Uh, well, Kayembe already has been signed now. My my namesake. Depending on if Arteaga stays or not, as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I've always found him the the weaker link. But I also have to be give a lot of credit to him. He's playing really well in the playoffs uh, so far. Every game he has been amongst the best. Kink players also last weekend specifically he he was maybe even the best Kink player um yeah that's uh, so he has really lived up in the playoffs now uh unfortunately he's not consistent enough maybe but okay with Kayembe maybe that's given given and I would still maybe let Arteaga go uh, and get another uh, left back in the striking position is a bit of a question mark at the moment as well of course with Onowachu leaving Arogodare yeah, being out immediately as well, but also with Nemeth leaving before. Desser is already leaving. Diawara at the, at the, at the under-23 levels leaving. So yeah, at least one striker will be needed, I believe. Also with, I uh, forgot, uh, then again, Samata. We'll have to see uh, whether he will stay or not. But I, personally, despite all the sentiment, I would also let him go back and, and find his luck elsewhere. That Now I'm talking a lot of uh, business decisions and not with emotions here, but uh, that's so weird uh, in this case. Um, yeah, and it all depends a bit also on, on how the belief in the club is in, in, some, in certain players, in, in certain backup players, for example, like uh, with, the, with the central midfield, some more rotations. Like I do like the, the duo uh, of Hannon and Rosal but behind them there might be some more rotation but like Aziz has done quite well for uh this season last season it was I was less convinced of him but in the few occasions he got 
uh, until that red card, of course. Yeah, and, and in Galarza is also still there. Yeah, who football technically has uh, seems to really still be uh, very convincingly, uh, but unfortunately, the off the field stuff with him have have really taken the, taken a toll, and then then like they've putting him out of uh, out of Franken's uh, favor, despite his uh, yeah the the football he has shown on the very few occasions that he did get um, in the beginning of the season more and in the cup game against Westerlo as well. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that, yeah, his, his off-the-field behavior, we'll have to see if he can turn it on and if, some, if, if somehow he can make the switch, maybe nothing is needed there, but if not, that would be a position ball where maybe the, the Hink would go for the short pain and probably would need someone else uh, to, uh, to bring in as well. Well, what do you need? Uh, an assist giver, a goal scorer, and a good defense, uh, <laughs> I guess. But I guess they can say that for every team. So that's not a new, uh, that's, that, that's not really groundbreaking stuff I'm telling here. Uh, but yeah, striking position, left back, and maybe some more backups. And then, of course, fill in any voids that would uh, come from players leaving. How do you feel about kind of, you know, that that's a very, very good answer, actually, that Yoris gave, and I can't add too much to that. But here's another kind of sub-question of, of this for you, Yoris. We were talking about, you know, the, the physical side of the game a minute ago. And do, do you think Genk have kind of coped well with, you know, the physical needle in the, in the playoffs this year? Or is there a question mark about them needing just to be a little bit more, um, as you would maybe say, football-wise next season, you know, if they get to this stage? Because there's, there's been times, I think, this season, even arguably in some some of the bigger games before the playoffs in the regular season, where I, I think they allowed some sides to, to physically bully them a little bit. And they didn't have too many answers to that. We know they play fantastic football and are a great side to watch. But do you feel maybe there's I don't know? It's maybe a question of the balance in the side. Perhaps it's maybe it's maybe simpler than than simply being more physically competitive. I don't know. What what, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I have forgotten to mention that. That then, like I've, I've mentioned that throughout the the last few episodes. I really believe like. Maybe as for Franken as a coach and his coaching staff more also, but I do know that he's probably not going to do that. Not going to listen to that he's known for not really having uh, another uh, plan B when it doesn't work. It's because I do feel like this footballing way sometimes has hindered them. And additionally, what what I th- that actually came back, but like uh, I have to explain it here, of course. But Halarza is that type of player that's actually does mm. give does give that physicality so that I do feel like maybe even that could have solved one of those options things of course Aziz himself also is already so that the, the options at, at central midfield which are well often places where the, these battles are fought uh, are are yeah crucial there I think and like I, I do feel that maybe Bo- Garraza has thrown in his own windows uh, so to say a few times like maybe that's a too literal translation from Dutch by the way but uh, <laughs> but uh, I get I guess you get uh, get what I mean that uh, yeah yeah but on the other hand maybe maybe he should have been given the chance that might have hampered the chances of the whole team <laughs> in certain games as well so yeah that that's a bit yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. So, but I suppose, yes, the, the physicality in general. I'm, I, I think they they cope quite well. I guess also in the it's in in 
it, sometimes it just works and sometimes it doesn't. And because um, I do feel like in at the back, Cuesta is, is physically really strong. McKenzie, yeah, gen- generally yes, sometimes not, but generally yes. Also, they're they're, they're not to to be bullied with. And generally, and and in in at front also depends um, with. Onuachu, that was of course a force there as well, both on top and at the, at the back, uh, physically speaking. But we have not seen enough of, of Arokadar to really form any opinion on that. And the replacement of him, of course, Samata, then he is he has different qualities, of course. So that that is of course a thing. That so yes, I do think it has hampered them a bit. But yeah, just one or two players could already make the whole the whole difference there. I think so. I'm not sure if that should be the real whole high focus, especially since potentially these players are already in in the Hink squad. Uh, but yeah, have hampered themselves with. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes it's it's more about a choice of personnel <laughs> and, and and maybe picking the right person for the for the right game. And often, yeah, I also want to add, and that that's I don't know how to explain this, and without sounding pathetic, but in a way, it is like Hink are seen as a, as this as a club that does play like this. Generally, I think that's, that's also why frankly is a really good fit. And at the same time, when they go a bit more physical, they are the one that gets. Put, it feels like in that 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 the uh, that they are the ones getting punished a bit for that. Like that that's where all this frustration with the referees that I've unfortunately sprouted today comes from stems from as well a bit. Like mm-hmm. when they then turn it on a bit. Or react on it, yeah. It's 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 them. It's like not the aggressors get get punished, but them. Or well, if they are what for the occasion once in a while, the aggressors is them being punished. So it's 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 I don't know. It, it's a feeling and it's stupid. And I don't think I, I like it that they don't go too far in that. But sometimes it feels like it's also like the image of the reputation maybe as well. But I do not know how if that that changes inside one season either. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave that in the middle. Maybe this is a comment that has not that much to do with anything, but I, I don't know. It's just a, a feeling like this, like uh, when a nice when a nice guy then doesn't play nice, then you're the, guy, the one being punished. Well, teams that are known for being uh, physical are allowed a bit more to to get into this physicality because for them it's normal to do so in a way. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point actually that kind of goes to sort of um, kind of team identities if you like. You know, we, we know that uh, Circle actually being one of the most physical sides in the league, for example, they um, you know in, in recent weeks they, they've come out obviously and, and and publicly spoken about how unhappy they've been about some of the the refereeing in their direction, uh, particularly in relation to kind of conceding penalties. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you know teams can. Yeah, can get a reputation for for behaving and playing a certain way, and that that can be, as you were saying, reflected in a way a referee will will approach that side. Um, that's a, a really interesting point, and we could probably have a whole conversation on that, a whole podcast on that. That's absolutely fascinating. Um, it'd be interesting to go away and look at that for other sides as well. Um, that's that's a great point. You've you've given me some homework to go and do. Um, speaking of homework, um, we did get a, a fascinating second list listener question this week which, which I'll take on which comes in from a uh, friend of the podcast and club CEO uh, Antoine Gobin uh, CEO um, at Beveren um, has been in touch to to ask us which three players um, if if we were if we were him which play, 
three players should Beveren seek to keep and which three should they maybe look at bringing in? Thank you for a fantastic question, first of all, Antoine, because it gives us an opportunity to play fantasy football for, for, for a second, something we're doing constantly. Um, not fantasy football for you, of course, because you're doing this for real, but let's take this one on, shall we? I went away and had a, had a little think about this, actually, and in terms of keeping players, I've actually made a note of five, not three, but that's because some of these might not be there. Anyway, long story short, in terms of the keeps, I think Kevin Hoggas uh, is an important player to keep hold of. He's had a very good season. Seven goals, five assists in 22 games. It's been pretty present. Um, had a good influence on the side. Another keeper for me, Ribeiro Costa. Seven goals, six assists in 22. Outside that, there are three other names I want to throw at this just because they're a bit interchangeable and I'm not sure all three of these players will necessarily still be there, but there's definitely a conversation around them. Uh, Sheldon Bato, who's had a, a very quietly effective season, um, an experienced player, I think, who still has a lot to offer. It'd be interesting to see what, what what he wants to do himself, but I think he's worth holding on to. And another two that things are a bit up in the air with, largely because they you know they, they contribute in the same area. Will Mbakani still be there? He has exceeded expectations, which hasn't really surprised me. Um, still a very fit, motivated player for, for his age. He, he's he got eight goals and five assists and 13. That tells me he still probably has enough to, to, to you know, go again for another year. And another player who may well leave, but I think is, is worth staying, is Daniel Moderna. Now, he he did really well last season before he picked up that horrible injury. And, and, and this season, things haven't really rekindled in the way they did for him um, last year. But he did so well last Last year, that suggests to me that he might still have a place in that side, depending on, for example, whether Embakani leaves, that kind of thing. We know that, you know, everybody's top keep would be Tierno Barry if possible, but. I don't think Tierno's going to be staying at Beveren, so that's why he doesn't really feature in this conversation. So I've thrown five names at this rather than three, but they're all very interesting. In terms of names to bring in, there was a player I was going to suggest who, interestingly, just before we started recording, there was kind of confirmation coming through um, that he's now going to be staying with SL16. Um, I was going to throw the name uh, Elias Ziani out there, the 19-year-old uh, left winger who obviously was under contract to Union Saint-Gelois, went to SL16 um, on loan. Uh, SL16 had an option on him. Um, it looks like they're going to take that up. Uh, he's been offered a three-year deal. He He's quite an exciting young player, I think, who has a tremendous amount to offer. I think he's going to get better. Um, I think his resale value, obviously, is going to increase as well. I felt there was an opportunity, perhaps, for a side that we're going to push for promotion, much like Beveren will do very hard again next year, uh, really, really to do very well with. But it looks like he's going to stick with SL16. This is an interesting one, actually, because Beveren are, are obviously looking to bring in somebody new in that attacking left-wing area. They've been linked very heavily with Matisse Servais, 
yeah, young attacking midfielder at, at club next, and it looks very much like he's going to be coming in there. Ziani fits the same profile, so that's why his name kind of came up to me. Another couple I want to just throw out there, just because they're interesting to me, are uh, Marius Muandalmaji, Sarang striker, who's already said very publicly in his own social media he's going to be leaving Joris. We don't know where he's going yet, but for a player to score 11 goals in 26 games and get one assist in a side that were really struggling badly tells me that he's got something to, to offer uh, and we know that he can perform at, at, at that, that level as well. So um, he could be an interesting pickup for somebody, uh, particularly with his, uh, his contract being up as well, I think. And another name, this is a bit of a wild card, the last one, um, a player who needs, I think, to go out on loan or, or get a permanent deal elsewhere just so he can play regularly is uh, Jack Hendry at club. Jack's a, a, a very good, reliable defender, uh, got lots of experience um, in Belgium now, and I'm not entirely convinced he has a future at club, regardless of who the, the new manager there might be. And I think he probably needs to make a decision this summer as to where he's going to be playing regular football next season. And I think he could offer um, Beveren kind of quite a lot mainly because of his leadership qualities. He's, he's he's a real leader, Jack Henry, and he can bring much more to your squad than simply what he offers on the park, a bit like Mbakani. So that was a very long and in some parts quite detailed answer to Antoine's question, but it was a, it was a very detailed question. So thank you for that one, Antoine. Um, did you have any names you wanted to throw out there on this one, Joris? No, I think you did a really good job. Um because to be honest, I I have to be honest here. Like I didn't watch enough uh, Beaver games this season to really be certain about their their pain points or their uh, opportunities. Uh, now, of course, I do know a few players that you mentioned there. There's a few standout players from the whole league, but the, for I can't give a full one on one comparison for the, for the eleven players, for example, that were starting uh, for them and and see where there's room for improvement. So I think you did a good job there. Thank you very much. Likewise, likewise with yours. It's worth it's worth mentioning actually just before we go that there, there's a lot of talent at the Challenger Pro League level um, at the moment, and traditionally it's been a league that's not been uh, seen too many players. Make the, make the step up to, to pro league clubs. Pro league clubs have tended to look either within other pro league clubs or out with uh, the pro league uh, when it comes to picking up talent. But we are seeing an interesting turn of events now. I, I believe where pro league clubs definitely are, a, are 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 scouting the challenger pro league itself more heavily and keeping a closer eye on on the talent there. And that that is partially to do with the inclusion, obviously, of the under twenty three sides. But I think the that there is an increase in quality there, I think, that, that is starting to be noticed now that perhaps isn't getting highlighted as much as it should. And, and that's proven to me by the fact that, you know, there are players there who clubs in the Pro League are, are looking at kind of um, picking up now and asking, you know, obviously to step up that level. Because in truth, Yoris, there's not a great deal of difference in quality, arguably, between maybe the bottom three or four sides in the Pro League and perhaps the top three two or three sides in, in, in the Challenger Pro League either. Um, people kind of underestimate that a little bit. Well, it's been brilliant to catch up with you, Yoris. 
and we'll do it again next week and and hopefully Ben will be back with us um, for what could be a massive weekend as I was saying. Yeah, hopefully for for everyone I believe as well that uh, that it's not only me being very well negative you know or, or sarcastic or <laughs> at least maybe I will still be but it maybe it's not only just me doing that but there's more uh, around that as well to control that a bit more. <laughs> Absolutely no you're quite right. We all we all need a devil's advocate particularly here at the BFP as well. Brilliant. If you want to get in touch with us and um, to drop us any listeners questions please do that as always you know you know how to do that I, uh, last week i was reminding everybody uh, of, of how much we've enjoyed getting to grips with some of the listeners questions in recent weeks we've had some brilliant ones and this week has been absolutely no different and um, particularly to get one from inside a club this week was was, was really really nice so thanks to, to, to antoine for that if you enjoy what we're up to um please do consider leaving us a review in your podcast platform of choice as well it helps new people find us here at the bfp and likewise if you want to get in touch with uh, either myself ben or yoris uh, to, to to abuse us and attack us for some of our opinions and get to grips with us um, as fans like to do then uh, we're very open to those conversations have a great week everybody and um, we'll be back with you soon for another episode of the the belgian football podcast <laughs>